Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Eric McMahon. The Michigan football coaching staff continues to take shape under new head coach Sharon Moore. We bring you the latest on that front and discuss basketball and hockey coming up on Wolverine Confidential. Good to be with you here uh, Wednesday, late morning, February 7th. A lot of promotions from within for Sharon Moore, I guess. Where, where do we stand? We we talked on Friday. Uh, we talked about some of the moves. Some have since become official. Um, there's been some new things that we didn't discuss. I guess let's just kind of get our listeners up to speed on where, where the football coaching staff stands right now here on Wednesday morning. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, since we last spoke on Friday, a couple of promotions. Um, we already knew on Friday that Justin Tress had been named str- head strength coach. That was known. Since then, Kurt Campbell, quarterback's coach, has been promoted to offensive coordinator. Uh, Grant Newsom has been promoted from tight ends coach to offensive line coach. Uh, and then analyst J.B. Brown has been promoted from analyst to special teams coordinator. So some continuity going on, as we expected. You know, Sharon was hired for, for just that reason, right, to kind of keep things on on, 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 on the tracks, um, to keep some of the staff at least intact. Um, he's been able to do that in some regards, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Defensive side of the ball, it's it's more que- there are more question marks here. Uh, Michigan is set to lose Mike Elston to the Chargers. They've already lost their defensive corner, Jesse Minter, to the Chargers. Jay Harbaugh has left for the Seahawks. Uh, and then Michigan is set to lose Dylan Roney, graduate assistant, who was effectively the, the quasi-edge rusher coach. Um, he's headed to the Chargers as well. So a lot of movement going on, a lot of moving pieces. Um, the staff clearly is not done yet. Uh, Cheryl Moore has said they want to get it done by the end of this week. Uh, we'll see if, in fact, that happens. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if this this drags into, into next week. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about on this podcast before about like the the players mission has coming back on defense. And it's like, all right, you know, their their defense could still be pretty good next year too. But now, like, basically losing everybody on that staff, it's like, hmm, this is uh, getting a little uh, dicey here moving into next year, and uh, not even just for next year's roster, but for future rosters too. I mean, we've talked about the impact of Ben Herbert's potential recruiting impact and losing him. Now you lose Mike Elston, uh, who was. I mean, he's not considered an ace recruiter by any means, but he was the recruiting coordinator on staff um, and a really good player developer. I mean, we saw that with Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant, and it's you lose him and you lose his kind of right-hand guy and Dylan Roney, who I think probably had the most responsibility of all the GAs. That's going to be tough to tough to lose. I mean, he was out recruiting um, over the past couple weeks and, you know, meeting with prospects and, uh, even one one of their targets in the 2025 class, uh, a four-star edge from uh, Illinois, uh, Jalen Williams. I mean, he even said, he tweeted out, like, uh, people are going to have to change their crystal balls now. I mean, he was trending towards Michigan. Then the Elston news breaks, and now, I mean, it's it's his recruitment's up in the air, too. So, uh, losing – we talked about you don't – you want to keep continuity on staff, and when you're losing this many guys, especially on defense, it's going to be hard to do even on the recruiting trail as well. I think this is kind of almost maybe worst-case scenario for Michigan so far as far as Harbaugh's departure and what's been happening. I mean, some of these names we knew um, would probably leave, and there were others that were we had mentioned as like on the fence, could go either way. They've left, and then maybe even some people we, we really didn't expect. I mean, it, he's – I don't want to say he's like fully rated, you know, 
his, his former staff. But uh, yeah, the, the cupboard is is somewhat bare, especially on the defensive side. Yeah, Elson was a big blow. He he was a name that I wasn't sure about. I, I didn't know if Jim would necessarily try and pluck to the NFL just because Mike's largely been a college coach his entire career. So I didn't necessarily see him making that jump. But from his perspective, it makes sense. I mean, it's more security, uh, more pay. You get to go to sunny Southern California. But as Zook said, Mike was a very good player developer. I mean, if you look at his track record, he's only been on staff now two years, but he did a really good job with that defensive line. Uh, he was he he really beefed it up. Um, they were they were better and they were better because of it. And I think that that's a blow for the line, um, especially if, some, if you're trying to retain some of these guys. You you start to question now if a Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant are going to start looking at the transfer portal and start looking elsewhere. Uh, that's going to be a key factor going in. So yes, now some of these names we did expect to leave others. We did not. And there's, there's rumors that, you know, Steve Klinkscale could, as, could, could leave as well. There's been discussions between him and Jim Harbaugh about going to the Chargers too. So we'll have to put, wait and see here. Um, there may be, a, this may be a wholesale change on the defensive side of the ball. Um, if, if that's the case, yeah, I, I do have question. There's questions going into the off season about not only the scheme, but can they retain all these players? Because you know, as we talked about last week, that was, I mean, theoretically, that was going to be the strength of this team going in next year was the defense because they had so much experience and, and so many playmakers set to, set to return. So I got to think with the coaching state, coaching change, new coordinator and all the above, you know, Ben Herbert, um, it's going to play a factor in some of these, you know, some of these players decisions moving forward. Yeah, I mean, at some point there, there's got to be some sort of enticement for for Michigan players to want to stay, and like we've talked about their their NIL issues and and their lack of funding in that regard. So it's not like they're going to be able to offer the most money compared to other schools too to maybe keep players, and then now you're losing all of your entire defensive staff almost potentially. That's that's going to be tough to uh, Sharon's going to have some work to do to to keep guys in place and and make them happy, and he's going to need to nail some of these these replacement hires because uh, otherwise, yeah, there, there could be some attrition here for next year's roster. As we said, he's mostly been just, uh, you know, promoting from within. There've been no, you know, outside, outside hires yet. Uh, you know, I'm intrigued by this uh, JB Brown guy moving up to special teams coach. Cause you know, I noticed he was in 2010, a major league baseball draft pick by the New York Mets. Uh, so that that is, of course, interesting to me. Uh, yeah, he's 34 years old. He's born in Alvin, Texas, same uh, same hometown in high school as uh, my favorite player growing up, Nolan Ryan. Uh, so, yeah, he's got a, he's got an interesting, yeah, he played for, uh, I got to check my tickets. I keep all tickets from games I, I attended as a fan, and uh, I want to see. It's very possible. I went to some Brooklyn Cyclones game there, you know, uh, minor league affiliate of the Mets, Around the same time that he was, he was, he was playing for them. So, what round was he drafted in? Fourteenth uh, round pick. Um, yeah, you know, he never made it past. I think double A ball uh, is what he was in. Um, you know, in the minors for a few years before, obviously, transitioning to uh, you know his football coaching career. But yeah, interesting. Again, a- analyst on staff. Newsom just moves from one position group to another. Uh, you know, Campbell elevated from. Um, you know, quarterbacks coach to the offensive coordinator. Uh, so yeah, but we'll see these, these defensive guys, he's got to, he's got to make some moves. Uh, what should we be looking for going forward as far as names, either at Michigan or, or not at Michigan or kind of what you expect here in the next maybe coming days or weeks? Two names have kind of surfaced when it comes to the defensive coordinator search. Uh, two guys with ties to the Ravens, two guys with significant experience in the NFL. Uh, first name is Joe Cullen. 
Uh, Lions fans might be familiar with this name. He's 56 years old. He's He's been the defensive line coach for the 49ers the last couple of years. He was the DC for Urban Meyer in Jacksonville during that disastrous season in 2021. Um, you know, he's been, a, he's a longtime defensive line coach. Uh, he was the Lions in, in the mid 2000s. As I mentioned, he was arrested a couple of times for DUI. He was a coach that was, that was caught uh, driving through the Wendy's drive through naked. So there's definitely a, hit, a past with him, a history. It sounds like he's cleaned his act up. Uh, he stopped drinking, which is, which is probably a good thing. Uh, and he, he's been largely a successful defensive line coach. So Cheryl Moore has been looking at him again, uh, ties to the Ravens. He was part of the Ravens organization from 2016 to 2020. Uh, so there's, there's that Ravens pipeline and same goes with the second name, uh, a name that may be even more familiar to folks, uh, Don Wink Martindale, 60 years old. He spent the last two seasons as a giants defensive coordinator. He was on the Ravens staff from 2012 to 2021, uh, four seasons as defensive coordinator. And he was Jack Harbaugh's DC at Western Kentucky in the early 2000s. So there's obviously some Harbaugh connections, Ravens pipe, Raven connections, it sounds like it's down to these two names. Uh, Colin, it sounds like is the front runner. It's kind of it's up to him whether he wants the job. And if he doesn't want the job, I think it's going to get turned to, to, to Wink Martindale. So as I said, both these guys are all up there in age. They're pushing 60, maybe not ideal just from a, from a college coaching perspective. But I think if Sharon can surround them with young go-getters who can get out, uh, you know, get out and recruit, I think they'll be okay. But from a scheme perspective, they, they know the Ravens system. They probably know what Michigan's been trying to run the last couple of years. So from a continuity perspective, as we've been talking about it, it, it would either, either guy would probably make sense. And that's kind of been the formula for Michigan in the last few years too, right? With, I mean, Mike McDonald and, and uh, Jesse Minder. I mean, neither of them were considered really solid or really great recruiters either, but they surrounded themselves with, with guys that could identify talent, build re- those relationships and the combo between that helped the defense really uh, take off in uh, the last few years too. So that that's going to be the main thing. Yeah, like Aaron said, I don't think they're going to move the needle much as far as recruiting. But if they can surround themselves with with some uh, some guys some uh, that have college experience, I think they they could be all right. But these hires will be important for for Sharon for sure. Yeah, it might not be the end of the world to have guys that are a little bit older, given who you know the hires he's, he's had so far. I mean. Uh, you know, Newsom and and Tress are in their their twenties. Uh, you know, Brown in his in his young thirties, like I mentioned. Um, you know, Sharon himself. Kurt Campbell's pretty young. Yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a very young staff so far. Um, and you know that 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 has its pros too. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe some some experience on the other side. Um, you know, would would help a little bit. Anything else on on the football side as far as you know the the roster? Um, you know, whether recruiting or transfer portal or anything that we need to discuss here today? Not a ton going on. We are waiting to see if if additional players decide to enter the transfer portal. Since since the coaching change, um, there's only been one. Uh, Reese Atterbury, uh, who entered last Friday as a grad transfer, he's the only one to enter so far. I know there's this expectation that maybe some additional guys may. Uh, you know, they, they get the 30-day window after Jim left. Uh, you know, the players have the, have the option of entering. My, my understanding is that would probably close February 23rd. So still still a couple few couple more weeks here to see if, if any of the players do decide to enter the transfer portal. Uh, Kirk Campbell went on the In the Trenches podcast this week and, you know, was kind of publicly, um, vo- you know, vowing for players to kind of, you know, take it easy here and, and wait and see what happens with the coaching staff because, you know, they're still trying to figure things out. Uh, you know, yes, it's not the, some of the same guys, same faces that they're, you know, the players may be familiar with, 
Um, but they've, he's kind of, you know, urged them to tr- trust the coaching staff, trust what they're trying to do here. Um, because, you know, there, there's a lot to like about this team. You know, if they can keep it together from a schematic standpoint and a player, you know, personnel standpoint, uh, this team could still make a run next season, as we've talked about. So they've just got to try and keep it together for the next couple of weeks. They can, tr- and that would translate, and that would take them into the spring, and then hopefully they can hold on to most of these most of these guys. Yeah, and on the recruiting front, I mean, as expected, it's supposed to be a, a very quiet uh, signing day. I mean, it's today's Wednesday, the February signing day, and don't expect Michigan to to do anything here. I mean, they've already wrapped up their their 2024 class, signed all 27 other prospects during the early window in December. I mean, really, their only other target was uh, four-star receiver Gatlin Bear, um, who, I mean, Michigan was trying to land him twice now and ended up finishing runner-up for him twice. Uh, Oregon kind of made the late push, and with Harbaugh leaving and with uh, Ben Herbert leaving, uh, that kind of signaled the the end of uh, Michigan's run at, at Bear, who was probably the fastest player recruit in, in the country, top 50 overall prospect. Um, and yeah, he, he signed with Oregon today. So that kind of closed the book on missions, 2024 class. Now they did host their first recruiting weekend under Sharon Moore last weekend for their junior days. They had about seven prospects come up and visit. Uh, I spoke with one of them, uh, four-star receiver from West Bloomfield. He was, uh, pretty impressed by the, the presentation and, uh, it was Sharon Moore's birthday surprised him with the cake. And what really stood out to him was the presentation from uh, Justin Trust, the, the new strength and conditioning coach. So um, positive reviews on on that front. So maybe uh, uh, Trust was able to keep uh, learn a lot from from Herbert while he was on on staff over the past six years, and and can uh, continue to impress recruits in, in that regard. So other than that, yeah, I don't expect much uh, activity or uh, as far as commitments until uh, Sharon Moore finalizes his staff. All right, then let's let's talk a little bit uh, about some of the winter sports. Hockey, uh, Zook, you said on the last episode that Michigan was heading to Columbus and anything less than a sweep over Ohio State would be a disappointment. Uh, well, Michigan Michigan did, in fact, get the sweep. Uh, yeah, t- kind of tell us how they did it and, and what comes next for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, a solid weekend overall, great goaltending. Uh, goaltending Jacob Barczewski uh, named the Big Ten third star of the week. Um, only allowed three goals in uh, four to four to one and four to two victories, uh, and they needed this. I mean, yeah, obviously, Ohio State's not a good team. I mean, last in the Big Ten, only one conference win so far this year. But you got to take care of who's on your schedule, and yeah, picked up a valuable six points. Now they're right in the thick of things, is battling for that f- third and fourth spot in the conference, which you want come playoff time because the um, two and three and four seeds host. The first round, a best of three series. Obviously, the the number one team gets a first round bye. Um, and yeah, it gives them some momentum heading into this weekend, which is another rivalry weekend, Michigan, Michigan State. Obviously, it was a, a pretty tense series the, a couple of weeks ago. Um, first game, a, a massive win on the road, seven to one win at Mun Arena in East Lansing. And then they collapsed on that Saturday blowing a, a three goal lead and, and giving up six straight goals. I uh, went to practice yesterday. Obviously the players are that's still lingering in the back of some of their minds. So they get, they get the Spartans at home on Friday and then the annual duel in the D in Detroit on Saturday, which is always a cool event. I'm uh, I've been told it's a, a sellout. Um, so eight thirty a start there. 
um, should be a, a, a fun atmosphere at uh, Little Caesars Arena too. So uh, only six games remaining um, before uh, before tournament time. And uh, yeah, every game now is is pretty much a playoff game for Michigan, which has bought, got, gotten a little bit of a cushion as far as their playoff or NCAA tournament resume. Um, but yeah, they need to at least get uh, get one one win this weekend against uh, the Spartans to kind of stay in the hunt for a home uh, playoff series and uh, to feel comfortable about their NCAA chances. On the basketball side, the Michigan women are fifteen and nine now, six and six in the Big Ten after uh, last night's home loss to Nebraska Tuesday night. Um, so yeah, they're they're struggling. You know they're. They're, they've got work to do, you know, to be a be an NCAA tournament team. Um, but you know, like we've been we've been saying, they're still they're having a fantastic season compared compared to the men who are now seven and fifteen, uh, two and nine in the Big Ten. Um, I've just I've been repeating myself in my stories and on this podcast as far as you know how these losses have happened, and you know Saturdays to Rutgers uh, was was a very familiar script up at half by nine points and up losing by 10. Um, I mean, they've now lost five in a row all by double digits. Um, you know, 10 of their last 11, um, you know, they, they've already lost seven home games this year and, and four of those by double digits. Um, Wisconsin, Wisconsin comes, uh, to Chrysler center tonight, seven o'clock, uh, tip on big 10 network. Um, you know, Wisconsin's lost two in a row, but they're still they're they're tied for for second in the in the Big Ten. They're you know eight and three in in Big Ten games, number eleven in the country. Um, I mean, I, I I point out on this podcast, I feel like every year, like unranked teams beat ranked teams all the time in college basketball. I, I looked right before we recorded. I was like, I bet it happened last night. It did three times. Uh, so like this this it, again, nothing you know, especially teams at home. It like it wouldn't. It, wouldn't shock me, but with the, with this Michigan team, the way they've been playing and kind of Wisconsin style, I, I it, w- it, w- it would be a, a, a huge upset. Um, What's the spread on that game? Uh, I think I saw it at uh, six last time I looked. I haven't done the uh, oh, right. the how to watch. Not too big. Yeah, yeah, five and a half. I'm seeing now, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the biggest story out of Saturday's game was kind of Jawan's comments after um, he cited his his past success. You know, his first year at Michigan they were of course they were definitely trending towards you know a I don't know six or seven seed in the NCAA tournament before it was you know that event was canceled by COVID um the next year they win the Big Ten regular season title get a number one seed get to the Elite Eight uh the next year they get to the Sweet 16 you know John was citing all these things and basically this works you know like this my you know what I'm doing and what our coaches coaching staff is doing works need the players to kind of listen and implement what we're saying a little bit better. Uh, so I don't know, through his players under the bus to a certain extent there, um, you know, had no interest in then revisiting any of those comments yesterday. Um, I mean, of course, like, you know, the, the counter to any of this is that, you know, he has assembled the roster uh, and the roster from the, those best teams, you know, had a lot of key players, from the previous coach, John Beeline. So, you know, I mean, that's the question, right? Can he do it, you know, truly with his own guys? That's probably why he didn't want to address the question again when you guys asked uh, heading into the Wisconsin game because he, he realized he sounded like a weenie <laughs> on Saturday night saying that comment. I mean, yeah, like this is a completely different team and and it's they're, they're short on players. They don't have the depth. Like it's 
I don't know. I, I don't really like, I mean, you, you could call out players, I guess, for, for lack of effort, but like when you're leaning on the same guys every night, and you don't, can't have, can't go to your bench. I mean, that's, it's, it's a tough look in, in my opinion. I'm not around this team every day like Andrew is. I but I just I get bad vibes on all this stuff, the losses and the comments and everything else. So you just you just get the vibe that behind the scenes things are not good. Um, and you know it, you're right. You don't want your head coach throwing players under the bus, especially at the college level. Like that that occasionally happens in the NBA level to try and motivate people. But I I don't know if that works at the college level, especially nowadays with the transfer portal and so much going on. Guys can just skedaddle at the drop of a hat. So I don't know. It, it, Juwan's in a tough situation here. I, I don't know where where they go or what 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 happens next. But um, I I will say it's been interesting. I guess you know it's been intriguing to watch if if for anything. But I mean if you're if you're a fan of the program, it, you, I mean you're depressed, right? Like if this isn't what Michigan basketball had become. Um, they're not competitive. I mean, I shouldn't say it. They've been, they're competitive for the first half and then they let it go in the second. So, but you're right. It's been like the same, same story every game. It, it's been kind of wild to, to, to see. Yeah. I mean, it's been 14 years, uh, you know, since they had a losing season and it would take a miracle to, to avoid that. Um, in 57 years, 1967 was the last time this team finished in last place in the big 10 and that's where they are right now. But, but yeah, um, it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I try. I tried to ask Jawan about um, after the Rutgers game if he's considered just shaking things up at halftime, truly doing something, you know, with the with their what they do during halftime, whatever it is. Um, you know, since it's it's obviously the second half has been so bad. He kind of cut me off and and took it to mean like doing something differently, like actually in the second half and actually gave a someone insightful answer by saying he will be considering. You know, maybe he'll just play the walk ons instead, and I, he didn't. He really didn't. There was no. Uh, evidence that he was being sarcastic. I don't, I don't know. So uh, that's kind of that's kind of where where we're at right now with with um, yeah with that team. And of course, there's like the comparison with Wisconsin coming in because you know they they are they're both veteran teams. I mean, that's the thing with Michigan is like you know I wrote about that a little bit today. Like they're you know Michigan can't even say like they're super young. I mean they're they're not. I mean they've got. They've got a fifth-year player in the starting lineup and then two other seniors. Uh, they got a fifth-year guy as key guy off the bench. I mean, on road games, it's a guy who's in his sixth year of college who starts at point guard. So, like, yeah, they've got a couple sophomores in there, in there too. But, um, yeah, it's not like they're leaning on a bunch of freshmen and sophomores by any stretch. Um, but you know, Joan said like Wisconsin, in Wisconsin's case, who has, who has similar experience. It's like, it's guys that have been in the program though, two or three years together. Michigan doesn't have that. But again, I mean, that's just how things are. Like you have guys leave for the NBA or, you know, Hunter Dickinson's case transfer. I mean, I don't know. You have to like decide how you're going to, how you're going to build your program and how you're going to get that continuity if that's in fact what you want. So it's, it's a tough spot, I guess, for any college coach, but right now Michigan's not, uh, it's just not, it's not working for them so much this season. Uh, still don't think Jawan is gone after this year. I mean, things could change, uh, of course, but you know, I mean, you guys know Ward Manuel. He's he, he's patient, and I just I don't think he's going to, you know, make a move after this this season. And I think that Jawan's you know health factors in there, and I don't mean that as like a pity thing where he feels bad and he he wouldn't fire a guy who had had heart surgery. I think it's more like he believes that that did have a legitimate impact on the encore product. Yeah. We, we, we spoke to Warren after Sharon Moore's introductory press conference a couple of weeks ago. And th- those were exactly the, the points he made. Uh, he, he was trying to exude 
patience, not only with Jawan, but, you know, all, all those other coaches, you know, he doesn't like to overreact to anything. Um, but you know, at this point, the way things have been trending, they're, they're not going in, in the right direction. So I, I, I agree with you, Andrew. I don't know if Ward's going to pull the trigger on a move, but you know, maybe it takes Jawan just stepping down on his own. He's deciding, Hey, this isn't working, realizing like this, this isn't going the right way. And he, you know, he goes back to the NBA or whatever the case may be, but, um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting off season. I, I don't think anything's going to happen during the season, certainly, but um, afterwards will be will be interesting to follow. I mean, yeah, I mean, finishing in last place in the Big Ten for the first time in decades, that's, uh, that's could be, uh, you know, reason for firing. I mean, it's not like people have been fired for, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a, a bad situation at this point. And I, I get trying to preach patience, but finishing in last place is still finishing in last place in the conference that now has like 500 teams. So <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, but you, you would like to see some sort of improvement in the last month or so of the season. That's going to be tough. I mean, the stretch is really tough. You get Wisconsin here, then you go to Nebraska. They haven't lost a big 10 game at home and playing a, a lot better um, recently. Uh, go to Illinois, uh, Michigan State at home. Go to Northwestern Purdue. Go to Rutgers. Uh, you know, then like, the last two are at Ohio State and, and at home against Nebraska. I mean, it's very possible that Michigan will not be will be an underdog in every single one of these these remaining games. Um, and and yeah, that that does not. Does not bode well for for a strong finish by by any means, but uh, yep, yeah, we'll have we'll have coverage of it all on mlive.com/wolverines. Uh, Thanks for listening.